we are starting a new series, as you can see, called Come to Jesus, which is going to take us all the way through Easter. And we're going to be receiving communion together this morning at the end of the message. So if you are joining us online this morning, you can go ahead and get your elements ready to be able to take communion with us. All right, as we kick off this series, and as you've heard me say many times before, that we know that our faith and the scripture is very Jesus-centric, that all of the stories in the Old Testament and all of the, the men and women of God who were leaders in the Old Testament, they were all pointing to the fact that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah's name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ means the anointed one or the Messiah. It's not his last name. Um, but as we, we think about our faith and our trust in Jesus, um, we all know that this idea that we, if you are a follower of Jesus, at some point you, you came to Jesus and you just gave him your life. You received what he gave you, eternal life, a relationship with him. Um, but it's interesting, this phrase, come to Jesus, and I've heard it uh, used in many different ways recently, has become like a euphemism in our culture. It's just become like a saying, you just need to come to Jesus moment. Have you heard this? I've heard it on sportscasts, you know, where, where there's a really a star player and he's not living up to his potential. And what would we say about him? They need to come to Jesus moment. They need to realize something about who they are and what they need to accomplish the Toronto Maple Leafs, as we move into playoff season, their star players need to come to Jesus moment. Now is the time, guys, you're not getting any younger. This team is not going to be assembled like this forever. Who cares about the Boston Bruins? You need to come to Jesus moment. All right, I'm not going to get distracted about hockey this morning. <laughs> Somebody in your office, not acting right. You call HR, they need to come to Jesus moment about how they are working in this office. And these phrases um, come about because there's actually truth behind it. And I actually looked up the phrase come to Jesus moment on the Urban Dictionary. And let me tell you what it says. It says this, when one discovers the truth, the essential meaning of something, a moment of realization, a aha moment a critical moment, a turning point, a reassessment of priorities. And we are for all of those things. And, and the reason this phrase has uh, been co-opted from Christianity, because this is what it is like to come to Jesus. It's, it's uh, reassessing everything about our lives. And, and we, as followers of Jesus, we know that this is true and we should want this for other people. Again, moving into Easter season, you need to be thinking about somebody in your life who's not a follower of Jesus that they need to come to Jesus. They need a come to Jesus moment. And this is, there's no better time than at Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus with the church around the world that people could have a come to Jesus moment. And it's not only people who don't have a relationship with God that need to come to Jesus. We need to continually in our lives of faith come to Jesus. Because when we come to Jesus, we receive the word of God. We know that the word of God, uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit and the thoughts and intents of the heart. What are the intentions of my heart? 
If, if, I, if I don't know, if I'm not aware, if, I, if I've lost the priorities in my life, if I've, I, I've, I haven't got my life centered on God anymore, we need to come to Jesus moment. Because when we come to Jesus, the word of God is spoken to us and the spirit of God comes down on the inside of us. And again, it just separates. It just causes us to get real, to realize something to have an epiphany, to have an understanding about my life and then the type of life that God would want for me, that he wants us to constantly come to Jesus. Because when we come to Jesus, again, we're gonna receive the word of God, but then the Holy Spirit can come and adjust some things in our lives. Have you ever gone to the chiropractor? You know, what does he do? He adjusts you. Now, do you necessarily like the moment of adjustment, especially the neck thing? Because, you know, he's, like, he's got your head in his hands and he's, you know it's coming and you're supposed to relax. But, you know, at any moment, that, that crack is like, that moment is not good. Oh, but after the moment, I, I got adjusted and it's how it should be. And this is like our life in God. When we, when we come to Jesus, when we offer our lives to Jesus on a daily basis, the Holy Spirit can come into our lives and adjust us. We can have a moment of realization. We can have a reprioritization of the things in our lives. And then again, we're just with God. And as we celebrate communion at the end of service today, this is actually what the message of Christianity is all about that we would just live a life with God, Emmanuel, God with us, that God would be with us. We know that to be true. He's never gonna leave us or forsake us. But are we coming? Are we having a come to Jesus moment? Are we realizing his presence is with us all of the time? See, when people came to Jesus, they had challenging conversations. They had life-changing experiences. Jesus would ask questions that get to the heart of the matter. The people would be encouraged. People would be healed. People would be rebuked. People would be loved. People would be forgiven and taught all when they came to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The cornerstone of our faith is Jesus. The one who's gonna develop us in our faith is Jesus. The apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that if Jesus isn't resurrected, we are of all people most hopeless, that our faith is in vain. That Jesus is the center of our faith. He should be the center of our lives. The author, the one who is starting our lives out of faith, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy he was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Very Jesus-centric. That we would constantly come to Jesus. Very famous portion of scripture here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, what type of rest is Jesus talking about here in these verses? Now, we know that it's good to 
have a good night's sleep. And if you, if you go and you have a sleep deficit, you know that you become an angry person, that you, you can't think straight. We know that rest is very important for our physical bodies. Anybody, anybody uh, push the limits with your toddlers sometimes and they don't get enough sleep and they skip their nap? <laughs> There's hell to pay after that moment. It's not necessarily talking about that, the physical thing that we would have in our bodies. We know that that's very important, but Jesus is talking about rest for our hearts, rest for our souls. That he's writing to this group of people that their lives were heavy laden with the thoughts of God, that the the 10 commandments had been blown up to over 600 commandments. And all of these 600 commandments you needed to do, and then if you didn't do these things, the religious people were telling you that God was mad at you, and then God was mad at you, the religious people were judging you. And you had to do all of these things, and it was just heavy upon you. Heavy upon you. But Jesus is saying to us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Listen, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for our heart, rest for the inmost part of you. The seed of you, when the the scripture is talking about your heart, it's not talking about your blood pump. It's talking about that seed of authority in your life. And ultimately, with the lordship of Jesus, we are removing ourselves from that seat of authority. And we want to place Jesus at that seat of authority, that he would be in charge of our lives. Because here, Jesus is saying that their their religious practices were causing them to be burdened and heavy laden. And everything we do as a church, when it comes to worship, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to groups, when it comes to a worship and prayer night, when it comes to city school, the purpose of all of these things is that we would move closer to Jesus. Now, at any time, depending on how we think about these things, they can be burdensome to us. If, if we get our thinking off, if we get, um, we start to turn these things into, God, I have to do, do I have to do all of these things to make you happy? Or I have to do all of these things to make Pastor Brent happy? no. We're not doing these things out of religious duty. But the purpose of all of these things, again, is that we would come to Jesus, that we are invited into relationship with other people in the family of God. Because as they come to Jesus and you come to Jesus and you journey down this road of life together, that you can help each other. And sometimes we get off track and we put something else at the center of our lives. And when we're in the re- when relationship with other people, they can remind us. They can encourage us to good works. They can cause you to have a come to Jesus moment. So all, again, all of the things that we do, the purpose of everything that we do so that people can discover a relationship with Jesus and then those that have that discovery can be discipled. But at any moment, we can turn these things into a heavy burden. But instead, let's think about all of these things as me coming to Jesus. And what happens when we come to Jesus? We're going to find rest for our souls. This reliance on God that Jesus is calling us to. And he says this in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
we get our attitude wrong about all of these things, then we're kind of missing the mark. We need a come to Jesus moment. Because how he thinks about a relationship with God, about how we can have a relationship with God, is this reliance on Jesus and the finished work of the cross, that I'm resting in that for my life. I'm rest for my soul. The Jewish leaders were always persecuting Jesus because they always had this backwards. And Jesus was always breaking their rules and he would be healing people on the Sabbath and they would be thinking this is against the rule of God and they didn't understand that Sabbath was for us, that Sabbath rest is for us. Not, we're not supposed to serve the Sabbath with a bunch of rules. And they couldn't understand that Jesus was doing the work of God on the Sabbath day because he thought he was, they, the, the religious leaders thought that Jesus was breaking God's rules, but he obviously wasn't because they had it backwards. That all of the things that, that God gives us to do and all of his guidelines and all of his thoughts for us is so that we can have this relationship with God, not so it would be heavy burden on our lives. They were unable to recognize God at work, even though they knew the scripture. And that's so interesting. That these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they had the scripture memorized. They could recite it to you. But they weren't able to recognize God when he showed up in the flesh, which is amazing. They weren't able to see God at work. And here in John chapter five, Jesus had healed somebody and it was on the Sabbath. And they kind of missed the, the understanding of the situation because when somebody gets healed, you should be excited, right? You shouldn't think you didn't do it the right way. You know, there, there's, some, there's some people, you know, in ministry that are preaching certain things that I don't necessarily like, but you know that God still uses that person? Do you know that God doesn't need my approval to do something? And God doesn't need your approval to do something. Amen? I don't like that guy's teaching. It's like, let somebody got healed through their ministry. Don't worry about it. God doesn't need your permission. God doesn't need my permission. They, they missed the celebration moment because Jesus didn't do it the right way. That their, their mindset was in the completely wrong spot. They were heavy burdened. John chapter five, verse 37 Jesus is talking to them about this thing. He says, the father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. How many know this is an accusation? To these religious leaders, you have never heard his voice. They're like, we know the word of God. Nor does his word dwell in you. The insult gets worse. They know the word of God. For you do not believe the one he sent you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These scriptures, these very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me, Jesus says, to have life. They had their life twisted around, heavy burdened. Now, Jesus is not saying in these verses, we shouldn't study the scripture. We should study the scripture and know the scripture, but know that the scripture points us to Jesus, that we would come to him. See, the scriptures 
are like the window through which we see Jesus. But we shouldn't get enamored with the window. We're supposed to see God through the description of Scripture. Jesus in the flesh is the greatest manifestation of what God looks like. The book of Hebrews tells us this. The explicit form of God. But they had their head in the book, but they weren't able to see God. This is a danger for all of us. Here's the scripture. You know the scripture, but you don't come to me. This relational dynamic, the one that we would come to that loves us and cares for us and wants us to have rest for our souls. Describing to us what it means to have a relationship with God, a vitality, a, a realness, an experiential side of our relationship with God, not just with the words. Jesus, the word made flesh, right? We would see the word of God, but we would see Jesus through the word of God. And then what would he do? He would speak to us all of these things, all these same things that these interactions that Jesus had with people throughout his ministry, he wants to save, have those same interactions with you and I, that we would come to him, that we would have a come to Jesus moment. There's religious leaders, but here are Jesus' disciples. The next chapter, John 6, he had fed the 5,000. They had seen miracles, but they didn't perceive something about the miracles. Verse 26, Jesus answered, Verily, I tell you the truth, you are looking at me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval on Jesus. God has placed his seal of approval on Jesus. They ate and they were excited about it. And then Jesus came to them. And then they missed the mark on what they should have asked Jesus. Like, hey, we need more food. It's like, that's not the point. That's not the point. You're working for food that spoils. You're looking at the wrong thing. Now we all need to eat. This is not what Jesus is saying, but he's making a comparison for us. Because if you don't eat, you will die, right? For an extended period of time. Fasting not included. (laughs) But he's making a comparison for us about natural food and spiritual food. That we need natural food to live, but we also need spiritual food. For us as individuals, like one of the prayer points is we we need a purpose. We need a purpose in our lives. This is how God has created us. And there's like this eternal quality that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And not just eternal life, just not life forever and ever. Yes, it's that. But it causes us to lift our eyes beyond just the world that we can see with our physical eyes. This eternal quality of life, this spiritual quality of life, and this is the thing that Jesus is calling us to. Let's keep reading here, and we're gonna receive communion here in a few seconds. This whole chapter in John chapter six is going through uh, Jesus giving them this metaphor about his body and his blood 
And they're confused by what he's saying and they're missing the metaphor. They've only got their eyes on the physical and they can't grasp what, what Jesus is saying to them. Verse 31, it says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Bread from heaven that God gave something. So here there was physical bread that they were being fed with. He's telling us the story about Moses, that first generation of the children of Israel that left Egyptian bondage and they were there in the desert and God fed them miraculously with physical bread. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread, but from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So there's this physical bread that sustains us. And then there's this other bread, the the spiritual bread. And where does the spiritual bread come from? It comes from heaven. It comes from the dwelling place of God doesn't just come for me. I can't bake it in my oven. It's not something that I can grasp with my hand. It's this spiritual thing. It's this heart thing. This true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Now, who is that? It's Jesus. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They're still, do you see how they're missing it? They're like, hand us the loaf. And we're we're looking at this and we're, but these foolish disciples are so immature. But how many things can we actually touch with our hand that we think are giving our lives complete purpose? It just physical things that we could touch. People are distracted and it's very easy. Isn't it easy to get distracted with stuff? Isn't it just, just with our phones? How easy is it for us to get distracted with our phones? Could take all of our attention. And what, what is our attention? Our attention is, is a spiritual thing. Our attention isn't actually something that we can touch. It's something, an inner quality. Sir, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now, what does Jesus mean? What is Jesus? Is it like, is it the the actual body? Jesus' body? And we know that Jesus' body is going to go to the cross and he's going to shed his blood. Again, John 1, same book. The word became flesh. It's talking about the word of God. The word came down. The thoughts and ideas of God, the presence of God. Because when God is talking to you, he is present. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst this quality of our hearts that we are longing for. That we could just get overwhelmed with life, heavy burdened. But Jesus provides us the thing that we need. 
For this is the will of my Father, to everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Again, they're missing the point of the discussion. They're mad at him. What do you mean you're the bread of life? They said this, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to the father unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. When we hear the word of God, what do we do? When we hear the call of God, what do we do? I got to come to Jesus. See, how important is this notion? Because don't we need help? Don't we need help all of the time with every situation, with every circumstance, with all of the ups and downs of life? And so what always should be our answer? What should be the thing that comes out of our mouth? What should be the thing that comes out of our heart? I have to go to Jesus. Because there's this spiritual thing I need. There's this inner thing that I need to deal with this physical thing. There's something on the inside that I need to help me in my marriage. There's something on the inside that I need to help me with my parenting and with my finances and with my health. There's some spiritual quality that I need. And this is the call that God sends out to us, that we would come to Jesus. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is with God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Here he says it again. I am the bread of life. The thing that made them mad, he's saying it again. Verse 49, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that they may eat of it and not die. Something spiritual. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give life for the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us flesh to eat? Now again, they're missing the metaphor. They're like, Jesus, don't you know, cannibalism is not a good thing. (laughs) Jesus is not talking about cannibalism. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Like he doubles down on it. That they're missing the point. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up on the last day for my flesh. Listen, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. So what, what does that mean? So there, there's food, physical food and physical drink that we need for our physical bodies. But Jesus provides us the true food and the true drink for our souls, for our spirits, for our inner man. Listen, he's getting to it. He's getting to the point where he gives the punchline. 
but some of them still didn't get it. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now here is the spiritual language because you can't abide in another person. What is he talking about? He's talking about remaining in God, coming to Jesus. Listen, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, uh, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? They were missing, they were trying to make this a physical thing that Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about a spiritual thing. But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense of this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. So here is the culmination of the story. What is it? It's the Spirit who gives life. He's not actually talking about eating his physical body. What is he talking about? Taking to yourself the Word of God. That will sustain you. Taking to yourself the drink of God because that will sustain your spirit. It's not the flesh. There's no help at all. Listen, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So this is what Jesus is talking about when he was saying, eat me, take the word of God, come to Jesus for his words. And what are we gonna do? We are gonna find rest for our souls because it's going to be a spiritual quality not just the grasping of the physical hands because man we can exhaust ourselves with all of the stuff that we're doing right but here there's a spiritual thing that happens when we come to Jesus and after this bunch of disciples of Jesus left him and then Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, are you going to go too? And they answered, uh, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. He has the words that we need for the moments that we have. Because we all need to come to Jesus moment like on the daily. What is he speaking to us? Because what he's speaking to us gives us life. Doesn't give us religion. Doesn't give us burdens. When he speaks to our hearts, we experience answers. When he speaks to us, we have solutions. When he speaks to us, we have wisdom. When he speaks to us, we have forgiveness. All of these spiritual qualities Let's receive communion together this morning. Go ahead and grab the elements. They're there underneath the seat. If you're on the front row, they're there by the leg of your chair. If you are visiting with us today and you are a follower of Jesus, we invite you to receive communion with us, but you don't have to feel pressure to do so. You just hold this in your hand just to explain, to explain it. If you're new, there's a top cellophane piece. You can just open that and just hold the wafer here in your hand. Communion, again, is to remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus. 
to remind us that we can always come to Jesus, to remind us of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the present presence of God. And that means he's here right now. He's not somewhere else. He's not somewhere off with the the famous preachers. He's here with you right now. Luke 22, 19 says this, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now what happens when we remind ourselves about something? If you can remember a person that you knew, maybe a, a grandparent, and when you think about that person, You remember an experience that you had with them. You remember the words they told you. You remember who they were. Now, I love love your grandma and grandpa, and I love my grandma and grandpa that are passed away. But they're not omnipresent like God, like Jesus, by his spirit. So when we remind ourselves about who Jesus is, we are reminding ourselves that Jesus is with us here now by the spirit of God communing with the presence of God, the reality of God's presence. So let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that his body was broken for ours. So God, in this moment, we know your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. We know that Jesus was famous for healing. So as we remind ourselves about who he is today, we just open ourselves up, Lord, to your healing presence. The top of our heads, the soles of our feet, that your name, Lord, is above every name, above any sickness and disease that can be named. So God, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence today that heals and changes bodies. We receive from you today. We thank you, Lord, that you heal us because you love us. God, and we just pray for anyone here today who's maybe suffered a broken heart. God, we know that you can bind up the brokenhearted, that you could heal emotions. And so we just open ourselves up to you today, Lord, for that. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. can open up the bottom portion of the cup. It says in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So Jesus has washed away sin because of the shedding of his blood. So we can actually be in a relationship with God, that we can have our sins forgiven. This reminds us of that fact. So what what can we do? We can come to him, thank him for his forgiveness. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. 
We thank you that you are a forgiving God. God, we never want to run from you when we mess up and when we sin, we fall short. God, we run to you today and we remind ourselves, we come to Jesus today. And we know that he always has his hands open to forgive. So we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness today. God, we thank you that we can be in your presence this morning because of your shed blood. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's drink together. If you are here this morning and you have never said yes to Jesus before, the gospel, the good news, as we've talked about today, is all about Jesus. Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead. And because of all of that, God offers you a relationship with himself. And all you have to do is say yes to that relationship can't come to God and say, God, look how good I am and offer your morality to him because you and I are not perfectly moral. We can't create some sort of religious system and say, God, look how religious I am. Can I give this to you? No, God has come down in Christ and has made a way for us to have a relationship with God. And all we have to do is say yes to that relationship. So if you have never done that this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray that prayer with me. Everybody needs a moment where you say yes to Jesus. Or if you're here this morning and you feel like, you know what, I used to be close to God and I kind of wandered away from God. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God is inviting you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So church, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray this out loud with somebody who might be praying for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the team is going to lead us here in one more song, so let's all stand up together today. Thank 
Christ alone. Christ
Thank you, Father, so much for this time together and this moment of worship. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, for us. And thank you that every word Pastor Brandon spoke to us today can just sit and resonate in our hearts, God, and that we can just have more come to Jesus moments with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. There was a moment earlier in the service where Pastor Brent prayed a prayer that was the truest of all types of come to Jesus moments. He offered us a moment where we could truly offer our lives up to Christ. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today or chose to rededicate your life in that prayer, we would really love to know about it. In the seat pocket in front or behind you based on where you're sitting, you'll find a connect card and you can just check off, I've decided to follow Jesus and turn it into our info table located outside in the lobby. We would love to know about it. Earlier in the service, we also took some time to pray together. At the end of our service, some members of our prayer team will be up along the stage here, and you'll be more than welcome to come up and ask for prayer personally if you would love to have some more time in prayer with somebody. Also, just a reminder, our worship and prayer night is tonight here at the City Church at 6 p.m. John Slater will be back, and you guys do not want to miss this. It's going to be such a good time to just worship together as a congregation some more. Awesome. We love you all. We will see you next week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You guys are dismissed.